0: Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city.
1: Catch up on this week's message and more. Um, well, as, as you all are very much aware, it is no longer the weekend away. It's Father's Day. And it will be officially Father's Yeah, Yay, it's officially Father's Day. Um, and so we just wanted to do something a bit different this morning. And so we are delighted to welcome Andrew and David and Chris. Give them all a massive round of applause. And um, these uh, three, I feel a bit far away from me, I'm going to come over a bit. Um, these three wonderful gentlemen are very much people that we would consider to be fathers in our house, in our community. And so um, we uh, they are not the only ones, but um, we just really want to... Um, Think a little bit about what it means to do church as multi-generations today, because it's something that's really important to us, like actually the way um, that God moves in family looks like family, and from the from the youngest to the eldest, he's doing something significant, and we all have things to share with one another and learn from one another and, and cheer each other on in. So we thought it'd be really fun today to hear from some fathers in our house, which is going to be great. And um, But just to sort of set it up, kind I of, just wanted to read this passage to you from deuteronomy 30 um so it's going to come on the screen but it's right at the end of deuteronomy moses is just kind of doing his handing on bit he's about to um, hand over to joshua who's actually going to be the person who leads the israelite community into the promised land after this generation they've spent in the wilderness Uh, and he says this so read along with me the choice of life or death this command i'm giving you today is not too difficult for you to reach for you to understand and it is not beyond your reach it is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey no the message is very close at hand it's on your lips and in your heart so you can obey it now listen today i'm giving you a choice between life and death between prosperity and disaster for i command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your hearts turn away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And then as with, Everything we read in the Bible, it's, we don't have formulas. There isn't a, if you do this, it'll be this. Um, it's more about the idea of principles. Even what Ruth was talking about earlier, it's not like if you come to the front, you'll have a special encounter. But there's a principle of, oh, if I do something in my body, God might, God's going to do something to my spirit. And so um, I love this verse because it, the principle here is actually that what happens in one generation affects what happens in the future. And, it, you know, Jesus talks about what happens when you when you sow. will will result in what you reap. And um, we just wanted to take today to recognize that actually we as individuals, we as a community um, are reaping so much from previous generations. And actually what will it look like for us right here right now to think about what does it mean for us to choose life not just for ourselves, but for the generations that are to come. And so we thought, what, a bay, what better way than just to hear from these guys in terms of the ways that that they've maybe done that, what, what choosing life has looked like for them, what, what seeking um, God with all their heart has looked like for them, knowing that actually we right now are blessed as a result of that, and actually um, the generations to come and the generations after them will be blessed too. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So enough from me, let's hear from these guys. Um, why don't we just quickly go round uh, and just uh, super quickly say, uh, tell us who you are um, maybe the favourite place that you've lived uh, and um, other than sleeping what's something that you've spent a lot of time doing
0: My name's Andrew uh, I feel very very honoured to be here um, I've, I don't know about you sometimes when God does something in my life it's amazing it's like a you know, incredible answer to prayer I daydream about sitting here or standing here when I can walk and giving testimony and giving glory to God for what he's done because God is amazing and I'm just blown away sometimes by what he does in my life. It's incredible. I live in Gatley, not far away down the road. Um, my favorite place to live was probably London. I lived in London for four years, a number of years ago, and that was that was fantastic. So,
2: Very good. Hi, I'm David. Um, favorite place I've lived? I've loved everywhere I've been. Um, you know, I, I I don't have a favourite place. I've just been really blessed wherever I've been. Uh, lovely people uh, and lovely fellowship. So, um, hi. What do you
3: like doing? Oh. Sorry What do you like
2: doing? What do I like doing? Well, that, that's, a, that's a very big question. Worshipping probably is the uh, is really good fun. Getting
1: in early with the Jesus points uh, there, dude.
2: Well, <laughs> sort of... Uh, Kay loves classic FM in the car, but I put my worship music on when I'm driving. So, (laughs)
3: hi, um, Chris. I'm from uh, where am I from? Adlestone, yeah, in Surrey. Uh, Favorite place is probably my imagination. I think (laughs) Um, that's. I'm learning, uh, learning a lot to discriminate between dreams and fantasy. There's a lot of joy in it. <laughs> Things I like doing. Um, well, I used to play a lot of table tennis, but I, I I enjoy just engaging in any joy that's going on around people. So um, count me in on any sort of party. That's probably me.
1: Love that. That's amazing. Well, um, first question, which I'm going to ask to all of you. We won't necessarily hear from all of you on all the questions, but um, is Deuteronomy 3019 that I just read out asks us to choose life for the blessing and benefit of future generations. In what ways have you experienced blessings from the generations that came before you?
0: I think probably the best the best answer to that is my family. Um, I'm going to, one of the questions that comes up, I'll talk a bit more about that, but um I'm blessed to have the parents that have. My parents aren't Christians, <clears throat> but I'm totally blessed to have them in the life. They love me dearly. Uh, they support me, and they are just, you know, a total blessing. I pray for them every day, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. But they are the the biggest blessing in my life, I would say, in my family. And I've also had an uncle and an auntie that weren't Christians, and <clears throat> one of the most wonderful things talking about a previous generation was that literally on their deathbed, I led both of them to Jesus, and that was just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and a privilege so in terms of blessings that was a blessing to me to be able to lead them to know Jesus and my auntie that died I was living in London she was in hospital in Manchester dying and I came up and I didn't get time to go to hospital and the Lord said to me it's okay you you know so we went in the morning and I just prayed to have some time on my own with her and I led her to Jesus and she was crying I was crying and as I walked away to go back to mum and dad who we're going to take me to the train to get back to London. Um, the hospital rang mum and dad when they got back home. And said just to let you know your auntie has died. Said as you walked away, I saw your son was crying, so I went to see your auntie and she looked at me and said, "Thank God," and then closed her eyes and died. So that, in terms of previous generations, for me, is just special.
2: Wow. I think uh, generational blessing for me. Um, my granddad, my mum's dad. Uh, was a congregational lay preacher. And sadly, he died when I was still not much more than a baby in arms, really. But I know um, from other testimony that, you know, he prayed for me, uh, held me in his arms, and he prayed for me a lot. Uh, And I think I have no doubt that that was foundational for me. So, you know, pray for your kids, pray for your grandkids, if you're lucky enough to have them. Um my mum also, also, I mean, she was a, a Sunday school teacher, my Sunday school teacher, along with her her sister, my aunt. Uh, and again, foundational stuff in my life, which was very precious and very important, uh, preparing me for that point when I was ready to give my life to the Lord. So, yeah,
1: pray for your kids. What was the question? Um how have you experienced blessings from previous generations? How have we experienced blessings yeah
3: um so for me, I think it um, I think there's three phases that struck me one was i would similarly agree with david that in family relationships uh my family life was very chaotic um, but my grandfather on my dad's side was a highly in Uh, loving, integrous, uh, generous man really um, who was a true father to me and a true father to his son my dad who was a very damaged person. Um, I get emotional because I think the intangible bonds of love are the strongest and very difficult to define, but are most valued. Yeah, similarly, um, I was impressed by Miles. Is he here this morning? Was he out? Is He's up here there? with his actual yeah. parents. Yeah. So um, don't take offence at this, Miles. But you know, I think of you as a bit of a (laughs) mini-me. I know. And um, like Miles, my journey as a youth, uh, pre meeting Jesus, was um, I had my youth leaders, uh, a couple were very loving, caring people, who definitely knew God as a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and embraced my life uh, and the life of many others which was great and then the challenge was really coming into know Jesus and being in the environment of the church uh, community and if any of you read 1 Corinthians 4 you'll notice that uh, Paul as a father um, says you know you, you claim to have many guardians, hundreds of tens of thousands of guardians, but you don't have many mothers and fathers. And so for me, um, I've discovered that to be true, uh, which we'll talk about later probably. There's a lot of religion in the church, uh, not many mothers and fathers, but at a distance, I would have to say is it is at a distance. Um, there have been many influential people near to me in church community, but probably at a distance... There's a connection with um, John Wimber, who carried the intangible presence of the father, I think. Um, So that's probably
1: me. Thanks, guys. Um, Feel free, if you don't want to answer any of these questions, that's okay. um, Because we've we've got more than we need, so we can just let things fly if we want to. Um, But the next one on my list was... um Excuse me. What are some of the choices that you have made to pursue God in your life and how have those choices developed over time?
0: It's amazing, isn't it? We were <clears throat> at the end of the worship, John came and gave that word that that lady had had about the C.S. Lewis book about sin. is <clears throat> very tempting and sweet. Um, I, for many years, you know, sort of was a Christian and had one foot in camp of Christianity and there's a foot very much in the world and want back to share I don't normally share publicly but I struggled for years with my sexuality and being being single and celibate that was a big thing for me and when you have you taste something that's nice and good you want more of it don't you so it's you know a it perpetuates more sin in a way but I came to the crossroads where I thought you know I sat in my car and I just sensed God say to me Andrew there's better life for you than this and it was like a pivotal pivotal sorry turning point where i committed to being giving my life to jesus and walking with him and when you get to that stage god is there for you and it's, it's just, this is just, god is amazing because nobody knew what I was going to share this morning and that, what john shared before as i'm sat there thinking that's incredible because that just confirms what i should be saying this morning and also it's to encourage you so that was my turning point where i want to be sold out for jesus and i there's a blessing there and you don't do it to get the blessing but the bible says about there's a narrow path to salvation and to everlasting life broad is the path and the gate to destruction and i want to live that narrow path and i want to <clears throat> walk in a in a path that where i'm sold out for jesus and that's where the blessings are that's where the joy is And I've just, as the more I've gone on with Jesus, I mean, it was years ago this happened, you know, the more excitement I have for God, the more I see um, him working in my life and answering my prayers and and the joy that I have. And yes, there's a struggle at times, but with Jesus, you can overcome that. And it's a choice. And my choice that day, that is the, the day when I made a choice that it's Jesus is the way that I want to walk. And it is a sacrifice to a degree. But with Jesus, it's easy. And with him, the yoke is easy. The burden is light. Um, so that that was sort of my sort of um, answer to the question, if that's answered it properly. And as I say, as it develops over time, I'm just more in love with Jesus, just more in, on fire for Jesus. And I get excited when, you know, it was a house group and somebody said to me, it was either Joy or Ian came or Karen came up to me and said, I really believe God's strengthening your left arm, the left arm that holds the the um the shield and it's the strength to push the enemy back and things like that. precious think god why have you done that for me that's amazing so i just god is incredible
2: thank you i subtitle this uh this question more because that's what i felt it was it was choices that you, you had you come to in your life when choose more. And I think there are three for me, three points in my life which were were significant. I think the first one I I said I was brought up in the church Um, and, uh, and yet I would have to say in retrospect, I really didn't know the Lord until I came to university. And the whole question that, that we've, we've talked about of uh, the C.S. Lewis thing and choosing, you know, when you come to university, you come away from home, let's be honest, there's lots of temptation out there. There's lots of opportunity. But I also met these other people and they had something that I really, I didn't know what it was. It was intangible to me, but I wanted what they had. Uh, Because they were, you know, really special people, this group of people. And you won't be too surprised to hear they were Christians. Uh, And I thought, okay, and made that choice. Does that mean that temptation goes away? Of course not. You know, it's there every day. But you make a choice. Uh, And that was a pivotal time for me at university, coming to university, meeting these guys who had something that I really wanted that I, you know, somewhat precious in their lives. And I wanted that. Uh, So went after that. I think another time is actually joining this church, um, which was a long time ago, (laughs) 1989 to be precise. Uh, And we'd been in the Anglican church for many years, fairly active and busy. And, Certainly when you're at university, if you're a Christian, there seems to be an assumption in many quarters that you're probably going to go into the ministry. And I knew that wasn't for me. I just, I just, that wasn't my calling. I just never felt that. And yet at certain times in my life, I felt God saying more. There's more I want to give. There's more I want you to give. And um, this church was was a case in point. We're in the Anglican church. We're very busy in the Anglican church. We loved it. It was a great church, charismatic, fantastic. And yet we came to that point where we felt there was more. And we were pushing the doors of missionary societies and all sorts of things. Nothing was happening. this letter dropped through the letterbox from a certain couple called Martin and Linda Smith who started this church and who... Basically, we're saying, why don't you try us out? I did what all good Christians do. I'll put it on the side and forgot about it. <laughs> and uh, uh, a second letter came some months later um, saying, we're actually starting up now. And I filed it very carefully on the side. It was actually... Uh, a pullover being left at some mutual friends in Shropshire that we got the duty of taking back to uh, Martin and Linda uh, that actually resulted in them persuading us <laughs> that we needed to be more open. I did the Anglican thing. They were inviting us to come to a, a, a Wimber conference and um, I, I said to them to try and get away because it was getting late and the kids were tired. and, and you know, uh, I said, We'll pray about it. (laughs) Fatal mistake. We did. (laughs) And here we are to prove it. And uh, that was a really pivotal turning moment because we were so locked into one way of doing church that God really needed to give me a kick up the backside to say, actually, I have something more for you. I want you to explore this. And the whole thing about this was this church was about... um, really showing people who wouldn't darken the doors of a, an Anglican church something about God, the real God, the, the spirit of God, uh, and his love and acceptance. And and that was very precious to us, and that's why we're still here. Uh, there is a third one, but I won't whitter on about that because other people won't get a chance. So, Chris, over to you. Do you have
1: anything for this one, or should we move on? Okay. Okay. Um, Next one was, uh, what are some, maybe you can go first on this one, Chris, what are some specific and significant breakthroughs and blessings that you would say you have experienced or in a very charismatic sense are carrying? Um, what difference did they make or are they still making in your life today? So what are some of the blessings and breakthroughs that you've experienced? Blessings and breakthroughs.
3: Okay. Um. Right, there's tangible one. So if we go to healing, um, I was a chronic hay fever sufferer for quite some time. And um, at one time, I think it was about 1984 or something like that, uh, I felt Jesus talking about it and saying, um, you don't really want to stick with that, do you? And I'm like, not really. Um, it'd be lovely if you healed me. And he said, I am healing you, um, but there's a partnership involved. And so... The strategy he gave me was to treat it as an unwelcome guest and exercise uh, authority to remove it, um, which I did. And that was something that he proved a reality to me the following year <laughs> when I didn't get any hay fever, which I haven't had it since at all. So that was definitely a breakthrough. Um, and that's something I could... Release—that's you know something I believe I have a lot of faith for. Um, I also—I think—I suffered. My wife, Hilary, up there will tell you probably more than this. I think I was a fairly depressed person for quite a while. Um, I used to get tormented by you know feelings of, you know, you're a waste of space, you're uh, a f- complete failure, blah blah blah, etc. etc. And God did something in that to bring freedom and deliverance. But the amazing thing I've discovered about God as a father is he tells you more by not telling you stuff and just engaging with you. And so for me, that was a real breakthrough where, um, and it does follow on from what we were saying, where I I came to a realisation that I was being pursued more than I was pursuing and that realms of encounter on a consistent basis with the presence of God became the hallmark of breakthrough for me I think Um, and that's certainly something which you know I'd want to encourage others to receive and engage in and believe for you know if you seek God he will be found Um, and he's working extremely hard not that he has to work hard, but he working extremely hard to offer us consistent opportunities to receive impact of his presence.
1: Awesome.
2: Okay. What Chris said um, about that sense of worth, worthlessness, how good you are, wrapped up with elements of guilt and shame and stuff like that. I think a lot of us get that. I've had that. And um, I was struggling with that. And we were, at the time... Uh, Kay and I were helping lead some groups within this training session. uh, We do something similar in church now called Freedom Course. Um, It's called Care back in the day. And I remember, I think this was a third um, trip through it, through third cycle, and we're meant to be there facilitating, and I'm this blubbering mess on the floor uh, where God finally got through to me. Uh, you know, and what Chris said, we're, we're often far more pursued than we pursue. Uh, I can be slow, but God is faithful. Uh, <laughs> it's true, it's hard to believe, but it's true. Uh, but God gets there. Thank you, Lord.
0: I think one of the um specific significant breakthroughs, <clears throat> I was talked before about my, my parents. Parents aren't Christians, and historically our relationship wasn't very good. It's quite, um, well, I wouldn't say it was toxic, but it wasn't very, very good. And I was praying one day, and I said, Lord God, I don't want this to come a time where mum and dad aren't here, and I've got a life of regrets, and things didn't, weren't very good. So I started to pray for our relationship, and things like that don't change overnight, but now I've got the best relationship that I could ever have with mum and dad. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I just encourage you all to pray, pray, pray. Prayer changes things. And if I don't pray for anything else, I pray for mum and dad every day. And I pray. My dad's 93. Mum's 19 October. They both drive. They're both fit. They're both, you know, reasonably healthy. And I pray every day for them that they won't have a car accident. I pray every day that I just come against Alzheimer's, dementia, vascular dementia, needing of care homes, nursing homes, residential homes, sheltered accommodation, or carers in the house. I pray that they live in their own home every day of their life. I pray that they'll come to know Jesus. I pray that you know that there won't be any moods or you know depression or mental health issues. And I just give that to God every single day. I give that to God. And that is a living testament today of how they are. They love me to bits, I love them to bits. I live with them because I just know in my heart that's the right place to be. As much as I love my own home, I just know living with them is where I should be. Um, my dad came to me a while ago. He was not an over emotional person. He said, Andrew, we just want to say thank you because if you weren't here with us, we'd be living in a home. And I said, Dad, you wouldn't be living in a home. I said, but, you know, I love being here. And a couple of, oh, I think it was last year, I had a dream, God gave me a dream. And in this dream... I was driving down the road with my dad. He was driving. I was in the passenger seat. And he was about to drive into the back of a lorry that he hadn't seen. So I grabbed the steering wheel and pulled into the inside lane and everything was fine. And my interpretation of that is the fact that God was saying to me that it's because of my prayers. And please don't understand me. I can't do anything. I give all the glory to God, to Jesus, because it's him that does it. But my interpretation of that is that my prayers are causing mum and dad to be where they are, that they're living independently in their own home, in health, happiness... And it's my prayers that have changed that situation. So I just encourage you, whatever the situation is, pray, pray, pray. We serve a living God. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, for me. Give him the glory. Give him the thanks. And even when you're struggling, you don't see an answer to that prayer, keep persevering, pressing. Because even though you don't see the answer, it doesn't mean God isn't working behind the scenes, doing something for you. So I give God the glory for that totally
1: awesome thanks um i'm gonna cut you off dave oh, that's wonderful thanks andrew i'm um, gonna ask two more questions we're just checking where we're up to with kids so we've got a little bit of extra time so don't worry we'll, we'll tell you when it's time to go out to get the kids um is there anything i guess it's quite often in these sorts of settings to think about the wins and the um you know we think about successes and all that kind of stuff but um, is there, I don't know, maybe um, something significant that hasn't worked out as you expected or um, maybe even stuff that you're really pressing in for and have been for a long time that you haven't seen breakthrough in, you haven't seen God move, that you're still contending for? Um, I just wonder if there's anything in that whole realm, I guess, of disappointment is probably the, the umbrella term that you might have that you could speak into us just to just to let us know where, where you're at with that and how your experience of that has been.
3: Yeah, it's like, how much time have you got, really, isn't it? About Um,
1: four to five minutes, I think. Yeah, I know, (laughs) I know, I
3: know, yeah, I know. This is where you think, I I wish God didn't write things like, you know, a day is like a thousand years or whatever he wrote. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Lord, no (laughs) offence, from that point of view. Yeah, there are things to contend for, and I think one of the... um, you know healing is always uh, the evidence of the kingdom you know i was thinking this morning where john the baptist was having a, a day of disappointment wasn't he in prison <laughs> basically not not too sure about what was going on and he he sent messages to jesus and said um are you re- are you are you the one we we we're, we're really looking for so he had his moment of crisis um and jesus sent back you know the sick are being healed, the lame are walking, etc. So he talked about the evidence of the Father's revelation of the kingdom and the rule of God on earth. And for me, that's constantly the partnership development that I'm looking for. So we're always contending for that um, to come through. Um, And the thing that I'm becoming even more, and this will lead on to something you're going to ask, Ralph, I think, is to find that place where you recognize that you are contending for life unseen. You're contending for sons and daughters, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, generations, and that you take that shift, which comes through in Deuteronomy a lot, but you take the shift away from you know the curses, which are um, usually from sort of like four to ten generations, And then on the other side, there's the revelation of the Father or the revelation of God who blesses for a thousand generations. And I think the Lord pulls us away or pulls me out of um, short-term thinking into the thousand years, the thousand generation blessings. Um, And that's not an easy place to, to, there's a lot of tension in that place. But we contend for the God and Father's heart for a thousand generations.
1: Yeah, so that's what sort of long term thinking help in like, oh, this, I'm finding disappointment or frustration in this one area, but actually, I'm thinking about in a bigger picture, what's God doing in the bigger picture, that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, there, and there's, you know, there's all sorts of tangents we could go off. You know, Paul talks in the mystery of I, I continue to share up in the sufferings of Christ. Um, and there's contention, you know, that God holds back the day of his son's return, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it puzzles people, you know, why not end it all now? But the father's heart is open. Because from his perspective, none he wants to perish. Um, So the big picture and the long term is something that inevitably, as we journey with Jesus, he will pull us into that. And there's constant contention for the fullness of what the Father's planned, really. Amazing.
1: Um, I wonder if maybe we could have a final thought from each of you. Uh, So if there's anything that you haven't said on any of those, feel free to chip in. Um, But also, I guess just... So, I guess merging probably the last two questions that I wrote down together, um, it's like, what's on your heart for the future? What's on your heart for um, the coming generations? Like, what kind of inheritance would you long for us as a church to give to our children's children? Like, um, what, what, are you, what are you dreaming about? Is probably a good way of putting that question.
0: I think as a church, <clears throat> we need to show this generation love. We're very sadly, we've got lots of, you know, parts of the Church of England, not saying they are all doing this, watering down the gospel and pampering to a woke society and, you know, sort of telling lies almost about what the gospel is saying, what the Bible says about how we should live, to pamper to groups of people that want to live their own way and instead of saying, well, no, this is the right way, we're pampering to that which, you know, the church shouldn't be doing. The greatest way of getting people to come to know Christ is love and... I think as a church, we need to, one, pray, because like I said before, prayer changes things. I've seen amazing answers to prayers, things that look like it's a done deal, but I've continued to pray it and God's turned it around. And I think we need to show this generation love, you know, show them, you know, pray for the... Pray. We need to be a people of prayer and to pray for the future generations, to pray for this country, that they will see love, not condemnation from the church, but they'll show... They'll recognise the church as a body of love, that the love of Jesus. That when they go to church, to see Jesus. We're not there to condemn them, convict them. Let the Holy Spirit do that. But to show them love, to pray for this generation, to pray for future generations. You know, when we are in the Second World War, the whole country were praying to God. You know, for the for the war effort and to to see uh, victory in the war. And we, you know, I'm not saying it's that's the only reason we won the war, but we were praying generation, we were praying country. And we need to go back to praying for the future generations, to, but to show people love. It doesn't matter what background they're coming from. Show them love, and that love will surpass everything else. They will see the love of Jesus. And I think that's what we need to do, is to pray and to show people that the church loves the sinner, that they love people. And that, you know, to bring, we need revival. We need revival, and that comes about through prayer and through love.
2: Brilliant. I, I had that sort of, uh, uh, you know, the Lord loves the sinner, doesn't he? He came for the sinners. Hates sin, loves the sinner. And we've got to learn that, and church has got to learn that. That's really important. I think uh, two other points. Um, one of the other things from the course I mentioned previously, there's a great co- quote from a guy called Terry Callag. Uh, We're human beings, not human doings. And I think so often we get caught up in the doing. We put that first. You know we be we need to be children of god god's children you know loved of god out of that comes the doing we don't do it to get god's love we get god's love and therefore we do and i think think about it there's a lot in that and i can't do it just this here last point dna of this church very much worship and compassion that's in the dna of this church worship and compassion and i think you know in terms of what do we want to see passed on to future generations which was part of one of the original questions that that very urgently for me is so important that we pass on that dna these spirit-filled people who just tied up in god's worship but also compassion for his creation and everyone in it that's good um
3: I think one of the greatest enemies of our mandate as a community here is probably the um, declining embers, as I would see it, of the recent uh, charismatic arena of expression of the church. And I think we are in a huge shift in... World humanity terms, and so I believe that um, we have uh, a garment from Jesus of a coat of many colors uh, to wear and to explore and to discover the richness of. And the enemy of that is a bland, vanilla religious expression with a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a tinge of this, and a tinge of that. And I think my hope and my prayer and my hope for myself um my family and for us as a community you know my brothers sisters sons and daughters here is that we will discover the tenacious leading of the spirit of god and find that boldness and capacity to research and develop the father's promises to us to the fullest possible extent So I'm looking right now in this time, in this season, for um, sons and daughters who are spies in the land of God's promises, who are explorers of the depths and the favour of the Father expressed through Jesus, the fullest expression of partnership with divinity. And I want to encourage you and myself to not dwell in forms of godliness that really don't produce a great deal of power, but to continue to partner with the spirit of the Lord to go into the promises to the fullest measure and expression. Um, And I'm convinced that uh, God is for us, so what can be against us in those things? Um, And that's what I
1: encourage us all to partner in. Amazing, thanks Chris. Why don't you give these guys a round of applause. Obviously, very just scratching the surface of all sorts of things there. But just encourage you guys, like, come and chat to these guys afterwards or in the future. I'm sure they'd love to um, keep talking to you. Uh, If, why does everyone stand up? That'd be amazing. Um, Would explorers and little movers parents head out? Oh uh yes if you if you're a dad and you came or uh, a male guardian that's here with your kid if you're able to go um and collect them that would be amazing game Changers, you can hang on for another couple of minutes um we just wanted to uh pray for you guys uh David would you come back would you um would you just pray for everyone just uh, a father's day blessing that would be wonderful
2: yeah Lord, we just invite your presence now. And I do ask that you would pour your spirit out afresh on each and every one here today. Uh, that your love, your compassion, your hope, your grace would just abide in this place and in these people. And, and not just as we go out, Lord, I pray that it abide in this place for the kids when they come in during the week as well. Uh, and that you would touch us afresh with your spirit. The kind of thing Chris was talking about, Lord, that we'd experience the fullness of your spirit, guiding us, challenging us, and encouraging us, Lord. So be with us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.